Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your also and Kate like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And, uh, Noel, we, uh, we, we have just a very little bit of news. And we're going to, TV news, we're going to keep that short because we've got a lot of TV to talk about this week. We're putting it all in one segment so that I, let's be honest, I don't go long. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we got a lot of TV to talk about. Um, so what we thought we should mention at the top of the show that there was an expose um, about uh, allegations against Scott Rudin, who, for people who don't know, is an Uber producer in theater and uh-huh. film and TV. Um, among other shows, he uh, his company produces uh, What We Do in the Shadows. Um, and there's there's plenty of other ones. Um, but despite it being a very open air quotes secret that he's yes. an abusive piece of crap for literally decades, like swimming with sharks is based on him. And that's yeah, and swimming with the sharks is like from the early to mid 90s. Yeah. Yeah. So. so he somehow had not been he had enough. He was perceived to have enough power in the industry that he did not get get me tooed. Um, for for his just generally abusive behavior because people were too scared to say anything, um, and but now fortunately people feel comfortable going on the record, so there is an expose. Uh, at least some people do, I should say. There's an expose yeah. about him, and I want to say was was it the Hollywood Reporter? It's the Hollywood Reporter, correct? It's their cover story. Yeah, so I, I did read through it pretty quickly, uh, but uh, just horrible treatment of people physically verbally psychologically abusive um just terrible who throws a baked potato at someone just and then says get me another baked potato yeah um it's so weird um and horrible but it's also a little weird because again who throws a baked potato um yeah it's allegedly yeah scott rudin apparently um yeah, no, this is, like you said, this has been pretty much an open secret. And what I've found really most interesting is just the deafening silence mm-hmm. that the story has received. Um, no one's really talked about it, with the exception of the Kings, Robert and Michelle King. Robert King tweeted that confirming the fact that uh, the theater producer played by John Glover in episode three of Evil is based on Rudin. Mm-hmm. Um, they've worked with people who have been abused by Rudin and decided to base the character on Rudin. Um, and King was more aggressive than I expected anyone to be about this. Um, specifically calling out uh, the Cohen Cohen brothers and uh, Wes Anderson for basically being responsible for helping to launder Rudin's reputation because of the fact that Rudin's producing of their films helps make them look good which in turn makes Rudin look good etc etc because if you go through Rudin's IMDB Buddy has not had a flop since like 2006 Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and he had a really like crazy run of really great stuff including like Social Network and Doubt and everything along those lines Um, but also at what cost so um yeah so but again it's just been kind of it has not received the same degree of openness and attention um as the the assault and sexual assault and harassment have um or even to a certain degree the same kind of circulation of the ray fisher stuff that was also in thr this week 
um, where he spoke a little more openly than he has regarding everything around Joss Whedon as well as Jeff Jones um, at DC and Warner Brothers. Jeff Johns, thank you. Yeah, I have not had a chance to read that one yet, but I I do intend to. Uh, I think a lot of that is just because like the people who would be commenting on this just like assume everybody knows and they are and 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 it's been such an a known thing for so long yeah. that nobody can pretend they didn't know like they the yeah. people were pretending they didn't know or it's or maybe they legitimately didn't know about Weinstein about some of these other people but like everybody knew about Rudin <laughs> and for whatever reason uh Hollywood is very comfortable with uh bullying abuse traumatizing like people getting their hand broken by uh like he like smashed a a monitor monitor on someone's hand because he was unhappy um and they had to go to the emergency room and everything like that is okay with a shocking um actually maybe not (laughs) who are we kidding it's 2021 not shocking percentage of people certainly in the industry, as long as you're making hits. And, right, and that's the thing, is yeah. Rudin's making hits, um, but Weinstein's power was significantly diminished as like a kingmaker and as a producer, mm-hmm. um, which is, I think, again, one of the reasons why it was kind of a perfect storm, but Rudin is still kind of bulletproof, it seems like. Yeah, so you would hope that there would be a much stronger reaction condemning him and these actions. Uh, people coming forward but that has not happened yet maybe it will next week maybe by the time we record next week uh there will be you know this will have started gathering steam and and like you know snowballing but uh mm-hmm. for right now th- i mean i i i saw a number of people tweeting about who are critics and people in or tangential to the industry talking about uh how they were very glad that, that these were allegations were being made publicly um, and getting covered in this way and that they had heard about this for a long time or they knew about this for a long time. Um, and and I have not heard the same thing from people who actually are like filmmakers and in like working with Rudin. So it's it's more people who have a level of remove that have so far felt comfortable commenting on it. Um, so we'll see what happens. But I would have liked to think that we would have had more of a rallying cry by now against like, like supporting an article like this, I guess. Yeah. 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 Well, that's all the time we're going to give that abusive piece of crap. Uh, let's move on to happier things, which includes our, uh, some feedback from our listeners. So thank you guys for, for writing in this week. Uh, Vince uh, reached out on Twitter and says uh, he's been listening to the podcast for about as long as Noel's been on it. Um, and he was looking for something, uh, something similar to Totally Tubular, and then he found us. Um, and, uh, you know, pour one out for Totally Tubular. Uh, yeah. he, he says, uh, speaking about wishes for TV shows to be consumed and discussed by you, it's okay to not be okay. Still tops that list for me, uh, as will probably surprise no one. I'm very devoted to the show and the genre in general by now. So we'll see. I make no promises, but I will. I will attempt to watch at least some of that. Vince. Yeah, I mean, I was actually going to suggest that we do it. Um, mm-hmm. We haven't done a K drama, yeah. Um, so I feel like we should. All right, we will do our best. Yes, we will do our best. It's sixteen episodes, so it is a. We need a little bit of a leeway, <laughs> lead time, but yes. yeah. Um, yeah. for a subtitled show, 
Um, but yeah, no, I will look into it a bit more. Oh, episodes are like between an hour and 85 minutes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to need, we're going to need to like build that out. We may have to split (laughs) that in half. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Um, I heard from Chris who sent, who wrote in, um, and said, uh, uh, congratulations to the podcast. And he says, uh, you know, if you do discontinue the podcast, uh, I will weep, but also need to find new sources, podcasts, and websites for K-dramas, anime, animation, more broadly, and TV podcasts. Maybe a last podcast could include some recommendations to help fill the Noel and Kate size hole in my life. All the best, Chris. Um, so so do you have, I mean, I know you were just saying last week that you don't really listen to I podcasts. I don't listen to podcasts. <laughs> The yeah. one that that I, you know, go to is Extra Hot Great, but there just are a lot fewer TV podcasts out there than there were when yeah. we started doing it. Yeah. They become uh, really show specific. Yes. Because it's a lot easier to do. It's so much yeah. easier to do. And also just, you know, what we talked about last week with guests drying up, like people's availability to come and guest on podcasts has really tightened um, as uh, different outlets have gotten much more um, restrictive with what they will allow their talent to do um, with like non, non compete clauses and everything. Um, So it's a lot harder. Like literally you could like just email people that were um, that were in the, in the industry or who were um, critics and stuff and be like, Hey, want to come on my podcast? It'll only be like half an hour. Uh, we can do whenever you're com- whenever you're free, and they would just do it <laughs> back in the day. And that is not the way it is, at least in my experience. Now it's a lot harder to find people, so therefore, there, um, you know, it's there could be some really great other po- TV podcasts out there that do try to cover a breadth of of shows, but I'm not as familiar with them. So, listeners, I'm throwing it out to you. Let's give Chris some recommendations um, uh, for other TV podcasts that you that you recommend. Obviously, we also, of course. Recommend uh, a friend of the show, Alison Shoemakers, uh, Podlander Drugcast and Outlander Podcast for the out- Outlander fans out there. But most of the ones that I'm familiar with are like that. They're show or maybe genre specific. So like all the CW superhero shows or animation or, you know, you know, the Chicago fire show, like Chicago shows or like different, like, like, like the different like worlds of mm-hmm. TV. Like I'm sure the there's yeah. the franchises. I'm sure that there's a, like MCU specific ones as well. Oh, um, I'm absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like they're the new, like the Disney plus shows and everything, but um, yeah. So at least this would be, if you have any recommendations for myself um, for when I'm falling asleep at 2am um, <laughs> or for, for Chris or any of our other listeners, please write in and, and uh, you know, we will shout those out and, give uh, some attention to other people who are, are, are in the podcast TV podcasting game. Um, and last one, cause this is delightful. Witnessari reached out and glad to know that you're still listening with Nisari, Cause I, it's been a long time since, since we heard from you. Uh, so yay, that's delightful. Thank you for listening. Um, and they say, uh, wait. So after sped, Spending only like nine and a half years doing weekly and sometimes daily unpaid work. You want to stop to raise a child selfish. That's what this is. Selfish. Uh, <laughs> and then they clarify that they were kidding because it is Twitter. Um, but uh, but so <laughs> congratulations, they say. So I uh, hope to hear from you again someday. All my best wishes. So thank you for listening, Odisari, and for giving me a chuckle. <laughs> it was delightful. It's a very good comment. Um, yeah. Yeah. High quality comment. Uh, today at the end of the show, we're going to be talking about Staged Season 2. We were really uh, high on Season 1. And then, of course, uh, they 
the, you know, last year, I think in the UK, but only recently did it come out on Hulu streaming over here. So we're going to talk about the second season. Of Early that. this year, actually. Earlier, sorry, earlier this year. Yeah. Um, thank you. Um, staged season two uh, was released on Hulu. It's eight episodes of you know, 20 to 30 minutes. Um, and uh, so that'll be at the end of the show. But until then, let's take a break, listen to some music, and we'll be right back with our Weekend TV. In TV, we're going to kick things off with the premiere of Top Chef Portland. I'm very excited. First impressions. I say that I don't remember any of their names yet. I do not either. But I'm still very excited. Uh, then we'll talk a little bit about Drag Race. Henny, I Shrunk the Drag Queens. A Resident Alien had its finale, Heroes of Patience. Then we'll check in briefly with The Flash, because this is the one with the 90s. They went back to the 90s. We have to talk about it. Um, then the Falcon and the Winter Soldier had Power Broker and Queen Sugar had June 3 or June 3rd, 2020. Uh, and we'll round things out with the big and dramatic return of Stabler to the Law and Order universe with a larger SVU return of the Prodigal Son and the series premiere, the pilot of Law and Order Organized Crime, What Happens in Puglia. So mm-hmm. first up, we have Top Chef Portland, uh, First Impressions. And Noel, I'm I'm very excited about this season. Um, it's going to be a good season, I think. But I think so far, they it's a it's a good cast. There's already somebody I don't like, which I feel like sure. is important. Who seems talented? I feel like that's important for a Top Chef. And they seem to be making at least interesting or promising choices around some of their COVID restrictions, yes. and that is certainly encouraging. Um, and as we've already specified, I don't remember any of the chef's names. So clearly, <laughs> I'm not that invested yet. But uh, I I think there's a really promising batch of, of chefs. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing what they all do. Uh, what did you think of this premiere? Um, is the one you hate the person who thought they should have won just based on their... Um... Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, he, he, got, he got a hard asshole at it yeah. uh, um, in this and kind of deserved based on all that i think buddy just kept forgetting he was miked yeah uh, you know he's, he reads as insecure right like it yeah. like i've been i've been rewatching some old old school drag race and okay by the way i in rewatching, i underappreciated roxy andrews in her initial season and i also uh underappreciated season six in general so that is a bit of a mea culpa there but um that that has made me much like the recent rewatching of those older seasons, some of those older seasons of Drag Race has made me spot some of that stuff a bit more. And so what I'm reading from him is 
I am insecure, so I am I am saying these things not to be an asshole, but because I'm not good at TV. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's being too generous, but sure. like his his like no, leave the stems on. Uh, I work for Tom; he does that all the time. And the other chef being like, yeah, okay, but but we're not Tom. And I was at home being like, also Tom isn't judging, <laughs> right? Tom is not judging this round. You you're cooking for two other people. Yeah. Be confident in what you would do, not in what you think Tom would want you to do. Yeah, that's also just a bad idea yeah. to try to cater to anyone um, on Top Chef. Don't do that. That 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 is a recipe for disaster, as I think this this proves uh, to a certain degree with their, um, their uh, different kinds of proteins that they had to cook. Um, and the different kinds of foul proteins, I should say. And some people second guessing by not doing what they do basically. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, folks, the show has been on for 18 seasons. When they tell you to put yourself on the plate, don't overthink it. Put yourself on the plate. Don't, I I know Chucker's weird and you got to figure out something to do with it. Do what you do (laughs) (laughs) instead of not doing what you do. So yeah, I agree with you. I think that there's a lot of really good potential. Um, all of these chefs are, for the most part, delightful, I feel like, um, in the talking heads and stuff. I There's a lot of personality, but I also wonder like how much of that personality is, oh my god, I get to interact with people. Right? I think that's a huge part of it, just like it is with this most recent season of Drag Race, where they're just yeah. like, oh, I'm not in isolation. That's awesome! Yeah, so I think that that's some of what we're getting from this and that kind of giddiness, which I really, really like. Um, But I also like the decision to basically just have Top Chef alums come in and be the guest judges. I think that's really smart. Um, And it feels like it makes this season, for whatever reason, feel like a celebration of the show, which I also really kind of appreciate. Um, And I also think it... One of the things I always really like when they have alums on, and especially when they have more than a couple, is that Clickio in particular is a lot looser. Um, which I I love Last Chance Kitchen because Clickio is just being mean and having fun. Um, but when there are other Top Chef alums on as like judges, he's a lot looser, and I really like a looser Clickio. Um, and I think that that will really kind of carry through. I'm glad Gail's back because I love Gail. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm really, really excited about the judging this season. And that makes me very excited about the quality of the rest of the food that we're going to get in terms of we're cooking for people who know what this is like. And I think that that's also going to be really exciting and really interesting from a judging perspective as well, since they're going to be evaluated by people who know what it's like on the other side of that massive U-shaped table. <laughs> <laughs> And I also really like that it's not just a couple, that they have mm-hmm. a pretty wide panel of it. And it's not only people who've won. It's it's people who have uh, different types of cuisine that they center, they, they focus on different approaches, um, who are just all really good at what they do. And I think that's and important boys. to it. And, <laughs> and that hair, man. Um, but having, <laughs> like... I think if it was only a couple, then maybe you would either end up with all people who were too generous because they know mm-hmm. what it's like, or people who were too harsh and hard asses because, hey, I've been there too, no excuses. Yeah. And this will allow, uh, or hopefully, a range of that. And also, I think it'll be very interesting to track our assessment of whether we think it is helping or hurting 
the chefs that there is not a guest judge who comes in who has never tasted their food before. Yeah. So, like, if you have been had a really strong track record and you slip up a week, it may not ding you as much because they know all of the sh- the judges, not just the one guest, like, not just the returning guest, but all of the judges know what you usually do. Or if you have one great week, you know, that, you know, and, or if you have, like, a middling week, maybe, and you've been weak for the previous ones, maybe you're not going to slip by in a way that you would have. Um, and whether that's for the better or the worse, you know, we'll have to see. But I think that's an interesting wrinkle as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of new kind of gameplay elements that this introduces. And I'm very excited to see what they do. Um, I'm excited about a lot of the challenges they've announced because uh, they're doing a drive-in movie catering type of thing. Uh, Restaurant Wars this Restaurant Wars this season is going to be wild, and I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing I do really like about this episode is the blind tasting aspect of it, and I think that this is something that they should do more of. I agree. In general, because I really like... I really One of the things I do really like about Tournament of Champions, which is a Food Network show that Fieri's do, did last year and is doing again this year, is that everything's tasted blind, and I really, really like that from a judging perspective. And I really like it here. I think that's really great. So I think that they're, this is something I think that they're going to continue to do to a certain degree. I know that they're, I think that they're doing with Restaurant Wars just somewhat. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about it. And I'm really, yeah. So I'm just excited about this season. And I think it's going to be really interesting. And also the fact that they filmed this in Portland over the summer is not going to is is going to be a factor. Um, a friend of mine tweeted that their hotel that they're staying at is basically right next to where a number of protests and demonstrations happened. Um, so that's going to be interesting to watch the show incorporate that because they have acknowledged that they're incorporating or acknowledging what was going on because how could you not? Yeah. So I'm really, I'm really, really interested in what the season is going to shake out as. Um, so yeah, my only other last thing is I was very sad because of the COVID restrictions that Padma doesn't get to go to everyone's station anymore. Mm-hmm. Oh, because it's my favorite part. <laughs> yeah. And now they bring the food to her and it's it's just not the same. Yeah. It's always funny watching people, like watching the chefs, or the chef testants, I guess, have to like interact with Padma and also Gail. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And as like, it, listeners, if you've never been around like freakishly beautiful people, um, it does a thing <laughs> to your brain. It um, does, yeah. Like it's, and you can't like, I I don't get starstruck. I don't really care about meeting or interviewing celebrities and that kind of thing. I've had the opportunity to to meet um, or interview, you know, briefly some some famous people. Not like you know Padma, but like on on, on the scale of things at Comic Con. But there are certain people that you that you just meet, and your brain just like clicks in a weird way just like it just goes like oh sorry yeah you're like and, and you just get to experience what what it's like to interact with an 18 charisma character in D D. where it's just like you're like ah oh sorry just my brain clicked off for a second because you just are alien beautiful looking and it's not like it's, it's not just like and was, there's regular attractive people and then there's just certain people that have a certain chemistry and like who are just professionally 
good looking and charming and hopefully also very talented and good at the things that they do. Padma is one of those people. And so it's always entertaining like to see like people like her come up to the station and the chefs just have to be like, yeah, sorry. I, I mean, food. I hope you like eat for the food. Yummy. <laughs> right. And the same thing happens with Gail. Who's also stunning. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, and then over the course of the season, you can see as that, either changes or they, as they get to know them a bit more or just does not. And yeah. it's, it's always hyper entertaining. It's very entertaining. <laughs> it is. And I'm going, it still kind of comes through, but it's just not the same when there's a big table between yeah. you. Yeah. Cause they have that. It's, 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 and it's very much a proximal thing. I have yeah. not experienced that just like sitting at a panel at Comic-Con, even when you're close. Right. But when you're just across a table, like, right within like you could high five like that distance it, there it, it just there are certain people you know and it's not it's not necessarily around like sexual attraction or, or other things like that or like gender or any of that stuff it's just certain people are just like oh you're just like an alien like you're just not human with how you look and padma is one of those people um let's go over to drag race and henny i shrunk the drag queens um so yeah now we have a top four mm-hmm. we could have just basically cut this episode is how i feel about it um and there's (laughs) they still have not confirmed at least to me how many episodes are in the season theoretically there's a few more left but it's just like it really does feel like there is a top three and there is candy and there is olivia right like that we have an actual top three and then candy would be fourth and then olivia needs you know, needs more time, but she will come back and she will slay on slay in all sorts. She's only been doing at the time of the when they were recording this, she'd been doing drag for a little over a year, maybe a year and a half. Now she's been doing okay. drag for like maybe two years, um, because mm-hmm. of the distance between when they filmed in last June and July and now. Right. Um, but like that is insane. That's real, that's real impressive. Um but I didn't think there was all that big a difference between the winners and the losers in this episode. Didn't think it was, it was the, the sketch or the, the film was way too long. I was missing a mini challenge. Um, Scarlett Johansson segment was fine, but the Anne Hathaway one was a lot better. So it just yes, made me, it was, you know, be like, yeah, can we get Annie back? <laughs> um, and then the lip sync, I thought Olivia won personally, like, but I don't think, I don't blame Candy. I blame Candy's outfit because Candy had to actively work against her outfit to try to do that. Um, so I thought she actually performed a little better, but the, she had enough of a night, like a, a, a disadvantage from the outfit that it canceled out kind of. Um, but I, I also think that the right person went home, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird situation that I do agree with you. I think Olivia did win that, um, that lip sync, but there was also no way that Olivia was staying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, yeah, and I agree with you regarding Candy's having to work within that outfit, which was A, terrible, and B, really kind of worked against them in the lip sync. So I think that they did the best that they could, and it, I think it resulted in them upping their game a little bit as well. But it just never really coalesced into anything. But Olivia was always going home. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I agree with you that this episode just doesn't offer anything. I agree with you that the film goes on far too long. Uh, and is not entertaining enough to be as long as it is, which is the other big problem. If it were more entertaining, then I'd be all for it. But it's just so long without anything really funny in it. 
uh, the rehearsals were much funnier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't really have a lot to add to what you say said already. Um, everyone's pocket looks were fine to pretty good, depending on how you felt about any of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like them more than you did. I like the top three more than you did, but yeah. like I, I particularly liked Mix. I liked Simone's a lot. Um, and, and I thought Rosé's was fine, but I don't get that. I'm not that into the mod thing. Yeah. I'm not super into mod thing. I think it looks good. I, I do think that the, the stockings were wrong, mm-hmm. um, for that. Um, I do, I did also like Mix, but I also appreciate that Mix cultural reference for that is Hercules. <laughs> I appreciated Mix glee at quoting Hercules. Yes. That was the best part for me. Yeah. Um, so that was really, really great. Um, that was arguably the best part of the episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so I'm, I'm ready for them to be done Yeah, because this season's gone on too long. Um, and the, they're just getting longer for no reason. The, they're like, the episodes are 90 minutes now and there's no reason for these episodes to be 90 minutes. Yeah. I mean, like I thought it was interesting that we actually have to deal, watch them deal with what do we still have in our closet in our like yeah. uh, you know our wardrobes here that we can actually do green screen with because mm-hmm. the pickings are slim to start with and then that really limits your range of options um but that would not have, that would not have made the cut in another episode there's a reason that this has been an issue almost every season of the show because uh, you know other queens have talked about that like yeah no that's a real challenge like towards the end of the season you're out of things to wear um but we haven't seen them talking about it because there's been more interesting stories to tell um I, I enjoy the Queen's bantering back and forth. I enjoy their dynamics. Uh, I do think that Candy is the appropriate person to be top four, at least of the of the people who would, you know, if it wasn't going to be Tamisha, if it wasn't going to be Denali, then yeah. then I think I think it is appropriate that it's Candy. Um, I think she has earned that spot. But um, yeah, it they better not go to the finale with the top four. There's no way Candy's going to win. She shouldn't win. You know, like the fans turned on her quite a while ago. Uh, I've come around. I'm I'm on board, but like I know a lot of people are not a fan of her for various reasons. Um, and if if they try to pretend that all four of them are equally, you know, have an equal shot at the crown, it's going to be really stupid. Yeah, no one's going to buy that. Um, I also kind of. In part because while I do really like Rosé, I also kind of think Rosé's in the bottom of that as mm-hmm. well. Like, she's the third. Because um, I think that Rue really likes Mick and Simone's work. And mm-hmm. I think justifiably so. Yeah, uh, I think it so. depends. Because I also feel like Rosé has been getting a real strong, like, come from behind, edit, peeking yeah. at the right time edit. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot will come down to if, if Mick and Simone continue to just smoke her on the runway that it'll be harder to justify mm-hmm. uh, a rosé win uh, but the next challenge that we have is a singing dancing rap oh no right the rap number yeah yeah like like write a write a verse kind of number which rosé is gonna crush and simone if you recall whew, it was rough last time yeah that's not gonna go great and the thing the good thing will be now is that there's gonna be pressure also on mick because Mix revealed too many hidden talents at this point mm-hmm. for them not to do well. So there's going to be a lot of weight on, I think, Mick in this challenge in particular to really surprise them. Uh, that I, That's going to be hard, I think, to do. Mm. Well, we will see. 
uh, next week when we have, if maybe next week is the second to last episode, maybe next week is, you know, as we talk, it's airing tomorrow is the, uh, the penultimate episode. Who knows? They still haven't announced all stars. Ah, goodness gracious. Let's move on to Resident Alien, which has its finale, Heroes of Patience. How did the season end up wrapping up for you? Uh, were, were you satisfied with, you know, the, some of the choices? And uh, how are they going to get out of this one? Oh, no, he's got a human-destroying thing, and there's a human on the spaceship. Well, he dropped the human-destroying thing by the moon, so it detonated, oh, okay. so it's fine. Oh, it, okay, I missed that somehow. I'm, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was no. still in the spaceship, but that's why I was concerned. No, he dropped it off, um, like, near the moon, and it ex- did its little mm-hmm. green explodey thing. Uh, so no, no one got hurt or anything. Uh, but yes, no, he's going to have to turn that spaceship around. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that this show's still pretty solid. Um, I The big thing for me is I like the reveal that Henry did it? Mm-hmm. Um, Even though it's... For yeah, I like that reveal, but I also think it's lazy, and I yes. also think that it's um too clever. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to figure out why, um, but they're also clearly holding that back because he wanted um, the job. Yeah, maybe. it's the only thing I can think of. But like, yeah. it's weird. It's dumb because the character's dead, and the people who might know things like who would know that? You know what I mean? Yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't know how that's gonna. And it, because the other thing is, I like that twist if it felt like it had been earned. Sure. Um, but also, like, it felt like a, oh, we don't want you to not like our lead, so we'll make the person he killed a murderer. Right. No, it's very much that, even though Alien Henry is also not a good sentient being. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, all sorts of things wrong with Alien Henry. Uh, so, but I, overall, I do think that this season has been pretty strong. A lot of that's Tudyk's performance, but also Tudyk can do this in his sleep as well. He's very good in this, but it is also a vehicle for him. Um, it's designed in no small part to make full use of his various abilities as an actor. Um, but I really do like the supporting cast a great deal. Everyone has been really strong on that front, which I think is one of the big reasons I've kept coming back, even as the show kind of fluctuates um, between something I'm actively enjoying and something I'm half paying attention to. Uh, And this episode, I think, is still a really good... The last two episodes, because they're a little conflated in my head, are a good example of that, because I really like the mayor and his wife just going to town. It was awesome. (laughs) It was such a good sequence. Like, I really, really liked it. Even though it's horrifying. I like the needle drop. I like the way in which it just completely destroys this badass federal assassin, basically. And then this poor researcher who's barely alive at this point. Poor, poor man. (laughs) So... There's things about it that I really, really like. Um, it still hasn't completely gelled into something yet, uh, but it's second. It's already been confirmed for a second season, and I'll check that out. Um, how 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 did you feel about this? I appreciated that sequence because yeah, if you've got like you go for the cast iron skillet. If you've got a cast iron skillet, that'll mess a person up. So like mm-hmm. like I'm super here for that part of it. Um, I kept waiting for the reveal that the assassin person is actually a lizard person. Uh, I kept waiting for the other doctor to be revealed as a lizard person. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, or that, yes. Um, I liked, I did enjoy the sequence of Henry uh, commenting on the various types of aliens. They're they're adorable. They're so cute, and they know it. <laughs> the, the the grays, is it the little or the little green man or whoever it was? Um, they're actually the bird people. They're actually they're they're cool. They're cool. Um, like I I enjoyed some of that. It was a bit much, but some of it I thought worked. Um, in the in the episode where they go to the convention. Um, but yeah, the the parts of the show that work, I think I'm very on board with, and the other parts of the show that I get frustrated with because I want to be more on yep. board with them. So basically everything with Asta, love it. Yes, uh, most of the great. stuff with the little kids on board. So it's just a matter of um, the, the, the show's massive blind spots around Henry. And I, I like the performance or the actor, but I do not care for the sheriff character. Just a terrible character. Absolutely horrible character. Well performed for what it is, but horrible character i hate watching it yeah i did like the karaoke though karaoke was solid like i i appreciated that they made space for that um but he needs to not be sheriff anymore yeah well speaking of uh you know needs to not be sheriff the flash the one the 90s um they need to either like redeem redeem themselves somehow or just no flash you're never allowed to do time travel because this was bad. Yeah. Don't do period specific time travel flash. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Like, like, like they did the, the alternate dimension thing. That was all twenties vibe, which was fun. I liked the, the, the clothes styles that they all got. That was fun. But just Great. like, it was like, Oh, this is what they're doing. Yeah. Okay. I, it needs to be better written. Like, yeah. The only thing that kept this from being the worst thing I watched this week was that I also watched Supergirl, and Supergirl was real bad this week. Um, so, like, real dumb in a lot of ways. Uh, but this one, there was potential, but it just really smacked of, we need an episode without Grant Gustin. So yes. we're going to do this, but we're not going to actually give Cisco enough to do, and we're not going to, like... We're going to just really force like the just and again, for me, it's the writing. The Chester stuff just comes out of nowhere. He doesn't. He's like, oh, what day is it? Oh, it's the day my dad died. But he doesn't say that until it comes up later. Like they haven't built these characters in a way to to have the exchanges we got with those two of them really work for me. And um, they're both charismatic actors. And uh-huh. it just. Yeah, this show does not work very well when you when you're probably your best actor, one of your best actors in your cast is very checked out, which is Cisco. Yeah. Um and or and what like one of the, the best, probably best characters on the show is Cisco and the actor's checked out. Um he's doing what he needs to, but like, yeah. And then the writing for the other characters is just not where it needs to be. And then the overall, like they're trying to Trying to have Cisco sell the Still Force and the Strong Force, like this, these are dumb names. And the Sage Force, the Sage Force, they're very dumb. It's like, why are you having Cisco name them? Have someone else name them? And Cisco goes, "This is why I do the naming because these are terrible names." Um, the only other thing I have is that clearly Speed Force. Some things up with the Speed Force antagonist. We'll see what's going on with that. Um, but. 
Yeah, I was. I wanted to like this so much more. I was so excited for a 90s throwback episode, and then they didn't do it. Yeah, it's a very lazy throwback time travel episode. Do you um, think this is a lot of COVID stuff that got in the way? I, I, I have to hope so, even though this is probably something that was also, like, broken and plotted after mm-hmm. COVID had started, at least, I would assume. It was uh, just very, but- like, no more than two people in a scene kind of structured in a way that didn't necessarily track right and i think that that there there are ways to make that work but the for me it was basically just that the 90s references and jokes were just kind of flat and when you have another show in your franchise that does this for bread and butter and nails it pretty much every time it's a little rough when you watch another show go, yeah, no, we can do legends too. And then you go, no, 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 <laughs> no. Nope. And I'm putting my, I'm putting my finger on their lips. No, no, you can't. No, stop. Shh, shh, shh. No. It's okay. It's okay. No, no, <laughs> no. Um, which is why that there needs to be a joke about this episode on legends this season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, what did you all do to the nineties? Uh, would have been a great solid thing for the Legends of Tomorrow to do. Um, there just happened to be aliens here somehow. Uh, so yeah, I agree that it just didn't work for me. But I do agree with you that there's something definitely going on with the Speed Force. Um, the preview for it for next week's episode plays that up a lot more, where the Speed Force is being very attentive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm very excited for that in part because it finally gives this actor something different to do other than be sad and get killed, uh, which is what this actor does, uh, on the show historically for the past seven, eight years at this point. And so I'm really excited for them to get to do something else. Um, so we'll see how that tracks. Um, but yeah, this was not good. It's not good at all. No, not good um next we have falcon and the winter soldier this one was also not good there though there was some fun stuff um i also want to make sure because i forgot to mention last week carl lumley who popped up uh, as isaiah and is fantastic hopefully we'll see more of him but i I think we talked about isaiah but i don't think we specifically were i don't think i specifically was like yay it's dixon meaning yay it's carl lumley who's done a lot more than just alias but you know he's got a special yeah martian manhunter come on you know space in my heart um Yeah, and was absolutely crushed his performance in his, like, scene. Um, What did you think of Zemo? I know we were all, you know, you were very excited about Zemo. We were all curious. I was very, I'm very curious to hear how it worked for you. Yeah, so I think that for me, there's some retconning of Zemo here that I'm not, like, super a fan of. Uh, The whole making him a Baron, which is what he is canonically in the comics, is kind of like... Yeah, there was no hint of that in the movie. So I'm going to go, we needed him to be rich and influential despite being in prison for five five years. And I go, no. (laughs) (laughs) It results in some really interesting, weird things. And I do kind of like that Zemo is just kind of a weirdo. Um, Mainly because Daniel Brühl is very good at finding a balance between being a weirdo and also being vaguely sinister about it at the same time. Like he's walking for me a very fine line, but I don't love the whole, yeah, no, he's been rich this entire time. And I just go, no, if he were rich this entire time, he would not, not, he would not be in prison. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, would have taken a different approach to some of the things he was doing. It, like, right. It, exactly. It, it, it opens up opportunities and avenues um, that, 
he did not exploit previously that he yes. would have. Right, exactly. So, and I like, and a friend of mine pointed out that she liked the fact that he was kind of, at the very least, like upper middle class within Sokovia because of his rank within the military. And I think that makes him much more interesting, quite mm-hmm. frankly. And I agree with my friend that that makes him more interesting. So I think that there's, it was a necessary kind of thing to just kind of retool him for the sake of the show, what the show wants to do. But I mean, they're also doing that to a larger extent with Sharon, who's borderline unrecognizable here. Yeah. Um, The justifications that they use for it, I think kind of makes sense, but it also borders into that same territory of Vision's body that I go, wait, so Steve didn't do anything for Sharon? Nothing? After that kiss that killed heterosexuality, did nothing (laughs) for Sharon? Um, That's a joke from another one of my friends who just says that that kiss kills straightness. Um, And it does. (laughs) It's a bad kiss. kiss. Uh, But yeah, no, it's no, no one did anything for Sharon. It's real weird that nobody did anything for Sharon. And it just feeds into that cycle of those gaps within the MCU with some of their side characters. And specifically with their women, too. Yes, exactly. So they become really glaring uh, when you start refolding them in. And you just go, but no one did anything? That doesn't seem right. I know Steve was busy, but... Yeah. But, but, too many big holes. Yep, yep. (sighs) Yeah. But Carl Lumley's very good, and Isaiah Bradley's a great character for him to play. And I'm really curious to see if we get more with him. Yeah, I mean, the stuff of, of the show that I've been most interested in is stuff that they are not interested in actually exploring, which is the stuff with Sam and his family, which is the stuff with Isaiah, and it is not most of this episode, which is fine. It's just very forgettable. Um, so we're halfway through the season. Yeah. I, have, I haven't watched the Loki trailer yet. Hopefully it'll be more fun. We'll see. I mean, it certainly looks like it's going to be fun. Um, but it also looks like it's going to be more in the vein of MCU type stuff, which is what this is, like full mm-hmm. on. Um, yeah. Problems aside with WandaVision, at least it was doing something a little different to like break that formula or bend it a little bit because it didn't break it. Um, but Winter Soldier is not bending anything. Um, it is just, and I say this with a great deal of love, uh, it is a much more high production value shield spinoff at this point than anything else yeah it's just not as good it doesn't feel as distinct yeah the the, overwhelmingly the most successful films and and projects in the mcu are the ones that are the most tonally specific and it's Mm -hmm. not close yeah those are the the ones that have something to say and it's something they're trying to engage with and the ones that are tonally specific those are the ones that really work and this is not that yet but I'm going to keep watching because I'm a completist. Uh, let's head over to Queen Sugar and talk about June 3, 20, or June 3rd, 2020. Um, so I have like, we have to talk about Charlie. But first, I need you to reassure me that this stuff with Blue is not a Lady Death Protest Too Much. Because it feels like it's a Lady Death Protest Too Much because they all agree that Blue's not going anywhere. And it seems like they come to that conclusion too easily for a TV show. Unless 
ah, the point of this blue stuff is to bring it up, discuss it so that we can have Vi get really angry so that we can then go into a Vi storyline that is not COVID and is something else. And that's what I'm holding on to for right now. Huh? Hopefully. Like, I would like that to be the case. Um, I do worry that too much of it was handled like you kind of off screen a little bit. Um, But there's going to be a reckoning, I think, with Blue. Um, Because, yeah, there just kind of has to be, I feel like, narratively. Like, it's too it's too handled within the episode for there not to be one. So I think that there has to be something. Um, I'm just worried about what that is going to be. Yeah. So don't break my heart show. Um, but yeah, so apparently we were worried about the wrong character this whole time. <laughs> uh, Which COVID. I'm okay with. Yes. <laughs> because they're not going to kill Charlie. Um, no, they're not going. Yeah, they're not killing Charlie because uh, no, the sh- show wouldn't work. <laughs> they, I hope they crushed it with with the Charlie has Kobe st- COVID stuff. Like the you know the performances have been amazing. Uh, I am like I want to reach into the the screen and shake her, but yeah. she needs to use her words, talk to her family um, about what's going on, and um, I do think it's in character though. Yeah, no, it's aggressively in character, especially given everything else that she's hearing from them and the ways in which Charlie has grown enough to hear that and internalize it in mm-hmm. a different way that she wouldn't have even, I would say, two two seasons ago. Uh, but Charlie, dear, this is this is when you call them. <laughs> this is when you call Ra. Like, you, you, like, you know, there's a lot going on with Hollywood with his mom. Like, I, and, and certainly COVID is a very sensitive subject because he you know, cause his mom died and he was able to only be there in the, the slightest of ways. Um, so like that I could understand being like, I don't want to put this on them, but like, you know, or, or if Nova is out of town, right. Because of her story, Mike is out of town. Like, but you call Ra, you call Rap Angel. And she did, but it got sent to voicemail. More than once. More you than call once. More than yes. once. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you need that scene in which uh, what's his name comes back. Um, Davis, yes, uh, to take care of her, which I think still really works. Um, <laughs> to my, it says a lot about my brain that I was just in a unconscious denial, a subconscious denial, because I went, "Oh, Charlie's just having a heart attack, and she's just like mm-hmm. she's doing a Paula in Crazy Ex Girlfriend, and she's having a yeah. heart attack." Um triggered by Micah deciding to go to Minneapolis and that's what I thought was happening and then I went oh no it's it's COVID oh show you got me you got me <laughs> yeah but you're not gonna kill Charlie so it's fine um also I felt very seen uh with the I can't go to the hospital there are people who need a bed more than I am I'm fine and it's just like oh man this is what I'm like I can't believe about this I'm glad Davis is there Yes. Because he will ignore her if he needs Absolutely. to. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Because I felt that way when I got my first dose of the vaccine this week. I just went, there are people who need this more than I do because I don't leave my house. But I at least have it, I guess. Yay! I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, listeners, yay. Yay. Very yay. Very, I was very excited when I heard that from Noel. I did a little happy dance. Um, so, th- which, and this is a reminder to if you. You know, have a there's a pharmacy near you. Call and check because I now know three people, four people, 
maybe five, who have gotten their first COVID dose because pharmacies had use them or lose them shots that they needed to use by the end of the day. Yeah. Um, so like- And most, most pharmacies kind of don't care about what their state restrictions are. So. Well, yeah, because it's like, like, you know, you try to get people who fit the requirements, but at a certain point- Anyone, it helps. It helps to have more people vaccinated than to throw out the dose because maybe someone gets it who doesn't need. You know, yeah. like obviously go for the people who, you know who are prioritized. You know all of that, but at a certain point, use them so yeah. we don't lose them. Um, yeah, and as someone who you know currently under the advisement of my doctor, I am waiting to get my COVID vaccine because, like you were saying, like I don't leave my house pretty much. I'm able. I'm fortunate enough to be able to to teach and work, uh, remotely. Um, so I, I, am very low risk as long as I stay in my bubble. Um, so I will not be getting vaccinated until after, uh, I have my kid. And so like, it's just as, as people start to get vaccinated people, and, and a lot of people get a lot looser with their mask wearing all these different things. It's good to have this reminder of see how Charlie's gasping to breathe and she can't even pick up her phone. It sounds exactly like what, um, like Candy and um, uh, was when the other people talked about having their experience of COVID uh, yeah. when they had it. Uh, this is Candy from Drag Race in the COVID special. I've been like, yeah, someone could have broken into my house and it's just been like, and taken all my stuff. And I've just been like, well, I'm just here in bed and enjoy stealing my things, you know? <laughs> um, so like, it's, it's a good reminder. This is what yeah. you're, you're continuing to, you know, we got to get to that carrying capacity in the population. We're, we're doing great compared to where we were at, but we are, we've got a long way to go. Keep those masks on, keep social distancing, keep your ventilation, all of that good stuff. Um, so yeah. Yeah. It's really striking. Um, how, how about the other corners of this episode? You know, what are you thinking about? Uh, I mean, the, about our conversations with Nova and uh, you know, about, about around marriage. Yeah. That, that was really good. And I'm actually really interested to see where that goes. Um, because it's definitely a large discussion for Nova, but it's also like a large discussion for both of them um, based on like, they have very different attitudes about things. And I think yeah. that's part Calvin of the Calvin is ready, um, but also doesn't seem to be pressuring her, pressuring her, which I appreciate. Right, which is good. Um, but I was also speaking like ideologically and politically um, where and emotionally like that kind of like awareness of self um, that we got into with the um, Floyd episode uh, that I think will play a part going forward because I very I he's deeply supportive of her. I That is not a thing that I doubt. Mm -hmm. But I also have questions about like push comes to shove kind of deal. Because uh, the show has ingrained me to kind of not trust Calvin to a certain degree. And that's just kind of where I am. And it's not, that's the show. Because I think the actor does a really great job with finding those kind of different layers with Calvin. Um, but yeah, so I was mostly just sad that the daughter is already back at college. Because I really liked her and I wanted her to stay. And I like watching her and Nova just kind of talk with one another. <laughs> it's very good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, the one it's like, oh, you're. It's like Calvin being like, wait, I'm. It's. Two I didn't think this through. <laughs> I didn't think this through. Oh no, there's there's two of them now. They're agreeing with each other way more than I thought they would. What have I done? It was delightful. Um, yeah, no, 
I, I, you have been trained, we have been trained as an audience to not trust Calvin or to be skeptical of Calvin because skeptical. we have spent more time, more time over the run of the show with him, whether intentionally or not, letting Nova down than we have with him being supportive and them being a positive thing. And that's just a function of the amount of screen time that we have seen and gotten. And also the the stressors and the pressures they've been under during that time. So we have not seen him like be put in a position and choose her in a way that we have seen him be put in a position and not choose her to, to an extent. And we've seen him be very, very supportive all season and just be like ideal boyfriend material all season. But he hasn't really this season. Ha- he hasn't been pushed. Yes. Outside of like a couple things with his family, but not even in a big way there. You know. So it's it's until we see him be tested and prove himself, whether she can she's there or not. Yes. You know. It, it's hard. He's, he's he, the character's in a bad position <laughs> because it's like I do not doubt that where the character is at now. He would choose her. He would prioritize her and he would earn, earn, you know, the faith that she has in him such that they are back together. But until the show finds opportunities for us to actually see that it's, it's tough. Yeah, I agree. Um, Also tough for me was watching Hollywood just continue to spiral. I did, did not handle that well. Um, Mm -hmm. Made me very upset. And I don't really want to talk about it because it made me that upset. But you know what I did love? It really stressed me out. (laughs) Myself as well. But I loved that it felt, because it felt so Queen Sugar, but also very honest to these two characters. Absolutely. Ended that, 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 you know, that, that tense moment with them. I was like, and the next, I'm just going to wait for my beautiful, amazing, talented wife, who is an amazing cook, to make me some, like, like where it's like, you know, it doesn't make anything else he said less harsh and painful and spiraling and, you know, we're team, we're team Vi. But yeah. the fact that he has the awareness, like, like this doesn't, I'm, I'm lashing out because I'm angry, but I I'm also sad. still love you and very sad. Yeah. I also still love you and appreciate you and see you and all of these things that you're doing. Like, I'm still Hollywood, you know, like that. I felt like that was a really c- crucial ending to that tough scene that we got in the previous episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, hard agree. So, yeah. And then they made up over mac and cheese. Yeah, which is the correct way to make up. Like, that's how people make up is over macaroni and cheese. Don't tell me otherwise, folks. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of how people make up. <laughs> Excellent segue. We've got Law um, Order SV. Well, in this case, it's car bombs instead of mac and cheese. <laughs> well, and they are—they haven't made up yet. Yet they—they're they, tentative steps forward. But listeners, uh, I've seen a lot of Law and Order. I've seen a lot of Law and SVU. But like Noel, because we were talking about this earlier, I have not seen any Law and Order SVU in probably not ten years because I've seen some of the ones after he left, mm-hmm. but. In like eight, maybe yeah. I have not seen a new episode. Like sat down to watch a new episode of Law and Order in a very long time. Uh, but Stabler coming back was enough of a reason for to get me to watch, and I was hoping to enjoy organized crime so that I could watch that and see what it was going to be. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, I do not care for the show. 
Yeah. I will not be watching it. Uh, I may be like dipping in here and there as I hear, you know, which episodes are good. But um, while I am encouraged by some of the choices in the writing for both of these shows around depictions of police and uh, and police brutality and methods and motivations, um, there is some level of awareness. It still is propaganda. But there is some level of awareness that I very much appreciate the show engaging with. That they aren't just pretending that that is not a thing. Um, and that Stabler, you know, with his six shootings, <laughs> which is what happens oh, when you're a TV cop <laughs> on the edge, you know, for enough seasons, um, is a, uh, you know, like, it's very believable that he just just got transferred to another department and, and went on to have a successful career. Like I'm totally by it, but yeah. um, like, I'm, I appreciate all of that, but the parts of law and order that are the parts of the show that make it the show I want to watch are not this stuff in organized crime. And so I don't want to watch Elliot on like those, like as an episode of Elliot's on the edge you know, he's got to, and, and uh, you know, Olivia's got to pull him back, right? Like, that's an episode. That's not the whole show. Uh, yes. You know, when you think back to the, you know, the heyday of Liv and and, uh, and and Elliot. So, like, they're really great together. They're terrific. Maloney is fantastic on his own. I enjoy him pretty much everything he does that I've seen. Um, and Hargitay is just you know, she's been doing this for 20 years. She's amazing. Uh, she's She knows that character inside and out, and she's very, very good at what she does. Um, so I will watch the the, the supercuts of their scenes, <laughs> but I have no interest in in being like, how can we get away with having a uh, cop with rage issues? I know, we'll send him after the mob, and we'll make sure to say that they've been like, you know, selling faulty COVID protection and equipment, then it's okay when he roughs them up because that's gonna happen. Thoughts? Uh, so I, we're talking about both episodes kind of like merged together here, um, which is fine um, because the SVU episode is essentially a backdoor pilot for organized crime. And that's fine. Like, I love that. It's it's just great. I love that. Um I tuned in because you had popped this on the rundown and I just went, yeah, right. He's back. I didn't realize he was going to be on SVU, however. And I was very, I don't want to say excited, but I was very keen to kind of see the two of them back together. And Kate, just the sheer intensity of the way Maloney and Hargitay know how to look at each other. Mm-hmm. Oh, the look. Re- they both crushed the look. It's so good. Yeah. Like, it had been good from the jump of SVU. But ten, they just sold 10 years of absence really well. Um, and it was really wild to just fall right back into that of like, oh, man. But then also watch them actually talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, listeners, if you don't know... Um, they were partners on SVU uh, from the start of the show, and there was incredible chemistry and UST unresolved sexual so tension. So much unresolved sexual tension, just so much of it. They want to fuck so bad. And he's married. <laughs> and Catholic. 
and Catholic and also has a like up and down relationship with his wife who does not basically does not like being married to a cop who prioritizes his job over his family and his like five kids. Uh, right. So like so many kids, you know, there's, there's a lot going on there. Uh, but I love the decision to have them not have him not have said anything like not have kept in touch for various yeah. reasons. I I th- I love that they do not back away from the gravitas of that and like mm-hmm. the importance of their relationship. The like the like obviously they're having an emotional affair, but even aside from that, just like one of the most important people in your entire life disappears, never says anything. It just go, it just disappears, and you don't hear from them for ten years, and then you see them again. They sold and they sold the hurt, they sold the pain, they sold the time. And also had them both understand and not waste any, not waste any time with either them or Finn <laughs> understanding or not understanding, you know, the gravity of his choice and how long it took her to trust a partner again in any part of her life. Uh, because, like, we're on season uh, 22 of Law & Order and he has been gone for 10 years. So I don't didn't look up the season, but that means that he was on they were partners for like 10 years. Yeah. So it's so like haven't talked in 10 years and they used to be my partner. Yeah, but they were all before that they were partners. They had worked together for like a very long time. So like that felt right. And I saw some people who didn't necessarily buy that part aspect of that choice but i thought that they did a really terrific job i um i like that it is not something that they patch up or like try to like i like that this is going to clearly be like an arc throughout the whole season of both shows with some crossovers and stuff um i think that's appropriate i just don't like that they decided that they had to car bomb the wife it was it the only way to get to get to the otp kate like it's the only way to get to the otp because Stabler is ne- Stabler doesn't do divorce, and he wasn't going to cheat on his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, the only way to do it was to kill her. The only um, possible way for two adults to have any kind of a relationship, yeah. ten years on, is the audience wants them to bone. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, for me, it was it was really brutal for her to get that final sense of relief of oh. He hasn't talked to you in 10 years and like yeah, really Kathy. believe it. And then yeah. to die, yeah. that was like the worst part was the fact that Kathy finally gets this moment of emotional closure and then she dies. Yeah. It's just brutal. It's really mean. Um, and it's really terrible. Like it's terrible from a character development standpoint because it was like, we, no, we're, we're not doing this. So it was just kind of like, ugh, ugh. Uh, I also laughed because they did it, but it was still bad. Um, as for organized crime, I agree with you. I am not particularly compelled by it. Um, a lot of that, I think, boils down to the fact that I just, I have issues with Dermot Mulrooney. Mm-hmm. Um, or is it Dylan I McDermott? I think he's fun in this. Is it Dermot Mulrooney or Dylan McDermott? Do it's you Dylan know? McDermott. It's Dylan McDermott. Are you sure? Because it could be Dermot Mulrooney. <laughs> Uh, no, it's Dylan McDermott. Um, no, I do think he's doing okay, but I've seen him do this kind of thing before, and it just never holds up very long for me. I'm much more interested in Tamara Taylor yeah. being in. That was solid. Like, I was very happy about that. Um, but for me, what I kind of ran into with 
the organized crime crime aspect of it was criminal intent did this kind of balance a lot better with a better sense of it feeling for me like law and order admittedly again i haven't watched law and order in so long because i don't really like svu that much um and i haven't watched anything since like the mothership and the los angeles remember law and order <laughs> la i do oh you mean lola yeah i do gosh man i watched all of that um anyway good times anyway anyway <laughs> <laughs> uh that I think that they just did that kind of that sense of criminality a lot better in a in a very different vein that I responded to a lot more than I do here in organized crime. So, but I think it's also borrowing a lot of the DNA from SVU to be a little more emotionally driven, which I think is smart. Because mm-hmm. uh, SVU, the reason SVU is on 22 seasons is because it's more emotionally driven. I think it's because and it always the has audience been. loves these characters and the audience loves the, uh, the audience loves Benson for good reason. Olivia Benson is all time top tier TV character. Um, but without that kind of big hook that they had at the start, I just don't see it having, especially lasting as long as it has within the current television landscape is the other really important thing to remember uh, that, it just wouldn't have, but it was also for me coming into the show. It was really fun watching someone ask the D A D A if he was a cop because he looks like a cop. <laughs> <laughs> that guy looks like a cop. Um, so I really appreciated that, but yeah, no. So I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to like watch any more organized crime. I haven't decided yet. Um, but we'll see the Tamara Taylor of it all may be enough to like, pull me in for at least a couple more episodes because again i really liked that reveal that was it was very well handled uh she's terrific and it's much more interesting than yes what it it's seems significantly like we more interesting her. Yeah. yeah yeah um yeah we'll see whether i dip back in so let me know if you if you do keep watching it, let me know if i should the, the thing for me is like a serialized single like investigation is like the opposite of what law and order is. It's supposed to be a new case every week in theory. Like that's the whole structure of the show of all of their shows of the franchise. So um, that the, the cops connecting more personally with a, a given case here, uh, here and there because of, you know, the, the various shading they want, the writers want to do makes complete sense and is, you know, results in some of their better, better episodes. And also is very much, you know, that's why SVU has been so successful for so long. But the Elliot takes his work too seriously and is immediately a, de- a terrible father. <laughs> just um, at the funeral. And at just immediately, funeral. you know, like, it's like, this is not a good place to launch your your new show. And, the, like, the, the characters that they're introducing are fine, but they are yeah, not, not nearly memorable enough or interesting yeah. enough to build a whole show around so that'll have to really get upped in the next couple episodes but we'll see listeners let us know what you think about the, the return of stabler and not just chris maloney's padded butt which is was very funny to watch get like make the rounds on uh on twitter today for listeners if you don't know there was uh they were filming because they film you know outside People had shots of pictures of them filming and, and everybody was zooming in on Chris Maloney's butt because it looked uh, very 
rounded, shall we say. Uh, people are very excited about it. It's like, and it's because when they do stunts where people fall back, they put, they put them in padded jeans. Uh, so that's, you know, they, there are also pictures like that of, um, uh, I want to say like Tom Cruise filming Mission Impossible, some of the, some other things like that. Um, but they like, like they're, you're not supposed to notice it because of how it's edited and stuff. So they're just like, they look like they're wearing regular jeans and just have a bubble butt. Um, so that is my assumption that that's what the, yeah, I didn't no, look it, into it closely enough. It's but, stunt padding and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that is what was going on. It looks on there. like he's got a ham in his pants, but it's stunt padding. <laughs> well, and Maloney's jacked, so you yes, know. no, he's super jacked. So there's that too, but like, yeah, it was just highly entertaining to me. Uh, let's uh, wrap up our week in TV though here with what uh, wins your week in TV. Well, I do want to call out uh, last week tonight, which did a really good episode, I think, on the national debt, but also the, the deficit. Um, mm-hmm. which is the really kind of both of those things are tied together and kind of get used interchangeably, but they're very different. And I think that this episode does a really good job of laying out those differences and also explaining why we maybe shouldn't be, why we shouldn't really worry about it. But every time that there is a Democrat in the white house, the Republicans get very concerned about the national debt and the national deficit, um, despite the fact that they don't care about it at any other point, And in fact, actively contribute to it. Mm-hmm. The episode does a really good job of outlining all that stuff. However, Queen Sugar wins my week in TV this week. What about you? Ditto. Yeah. <laughs> also, Top Chef. Uh, yeah. I'm just excited to have it back. But um, but no, if I'm being honest, Queen Sugar is a much better episode. And I really, I, I co-signed everything you're saying about it last week tonight. I'm very glad that that's a topic because like, we're going to be hearing about it so much. Oh, um, just excessively. When you introduce yeah. a massive infrastructure plan... And people keep complaining about not doing infrastructure. And it's just like, all right, guys, here's infrastructure. And everyone's like, no, not good enough. Too much money. Yeah. We want to do the infrastructure, but for no money. But we want to also have pork for our particular industry, like like our town. But also, uh, no, because you're fiscally irresponsible. Because that's what I'm going to run on and then do tax cuts. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So thank you, last week tonight, for doing this segment uh, now we'll take a break and come back with our season spotlight on stage season two does this ever happened to you before once you got recast i did who by don't say but you know i know well come on no can't why not because i'm doing something about it what can you keep a secret evidently i am befriending him slowly and methodically Engineering ways for us to work together, insinuating my way into his life, the better to exact my slow and decisive revenge. That was a trailer for season two of Staged, currently streaming on Hulu. Of course, originally, uh, I think it aired over on the BBC um, in the UK last year. Um, This year. This year. Thank you. Um, and, uh, the series, series two did anyway, season one was last year, season one was last year. Thank you. Um, so we've, we've got, uh, Michael and David or David and Michael, and, uh, they, this season reveals that last season was a TV show and, um, now they are involved, like the pandemic or lockdown at least is winding down. Or transitioning jokes to on them. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, transitioning to like distanced work and other other things, more like what the experience has been like for a lot of people in the United States, as opposed to like the strict lockdown um, that 
people have experienced for shorter periods of time, certainly in the United States, but also uh, longer much in more the UK. In, in yeah. the UK and Europe, um, where lockdowns were much more stringent than they were in the US. Yeah. Um, the So they're returning to work and what what next? And now it's the stage is going to be um, have an American adaptation, but everybody's been brought back except for them. Um, so this it was fine. I wanted to like this so much more than I did. And um, it really felt uh, like they did not know what to do. And they, they, they made a like a significant choice with how to approach it. They, they went a different way, which I appreciate. And I am glad that they didn't just try to extend what they were doing last season further. I don't know how much they could have without changing some other elements, but um, this for me doesn't hold a candle to season one. And it just feels like more like it's just so meta that it's not interesting. Season one was meta and entertaining because they were playing on their star image and their personas and everything. Um, but when they're trying to pretend that David Tennant doesn't have an American fan base, that's ridiculous. Yeah. He's yeah. Doctor Who. Yeah. And Broadchurch. And Broadchurch. Like, yeah. Like, it's it's crazy. And Michael Sheen, like, hasn't he been... Four Twilight movies! Four Twilight movies! Like, and so, like, like some of the people they bring in because they're more popular in the UK, in the American audience, like, I was like, what? But, wait, what? My partner and I got into a debate about that, about who really constituted that. Um, so, we should have that... I want to have that conversation with you, actually, because short of it being Jim Parsons, there was literally no one else I felt like that was going to be marketable to an American audience apart from the two that they settle on and really only half of the half, half of, of them yeah half of them is actually marketable to an American audience yeah and that's really because of the the twist which I think we should I guess we'll try yeah. to avoid saying too much about but um uh so that you guys can enjoy that reveal but like yeah no everybody else that they have in like really like, like Jim Parsons yes uh, definitely but like like yes, Nick Frost and Simon Pegg, but Simon not Simon Pegg. Yes, not Nick Frost, not no. not recently. Not yeah. since like like coming off of like Hot Fuzz or something. Like, well, Star Trek. Don't forget Star Trek. Yeah, but like that's for Simon Pegg. And Mission Impossible. And but yeah, yeah. No, your point. Simon Pegg. Yes, Nick Frost. No, is how I was feeling about it. it was like no one's going to recognize Nick Frost. But also <laughs> Simon Pegg coming like coming right off of Star Trek, maybe. But I still think that Doctor Who, like the Trump's lead of that. Doctor Who, d- it beats out side character on the Star Wars like reboot movies that make a splash briefly when they're out, out and then everybody forgets they exist. So, yeah. like, you know, like again, it's very much like the people who the kind of people who are going to go seek out staged on Hulu love, mm-hmm. uh, you know, lo- lo- love these two for the, all of their work, right? <laughs> But that's not like that's not the American audience. So like I don't know. It just it was um you have to buy in. And you have to buy in early. Uh some of the other stuff worked for me. Uh some of it didn't. I don't I don't like I like Whoopi Goldberg, um, but I didn't necessarily connect with that character. I thought there were some writing issues there. Um and it's just it's it's a lot more scattered. Did not need more episodes. Yeah, I don't know why there are eight episodes of this. Um, my this 
as you were saying right at the top, this is several steps down for me from season one. Um, a lot of it is because it just becomes a behind the scenes backstage sort of thing mm-hmm. um, that I just don't find as compelling as sort of the existential what are we doing? Where are we? Kind of almost um, Beckett-esque thing that we're doing in season one. And this is arguably zanier and funnier and there are plenty like funnier in a broader sense as opposed to that the more quieter but also i think more louder laughs that you get in season one um it's quieter but it's funnier and this i think really relies really heavily on the sheer number of celebrity cameos that they have here um so there's hugh bonneville there's um ewan mcgregor ewan mcgregor thank you that's who i was trying to think of uh ken jong comes in for a really solid bit actually mm-hmm. um michael palin is brutal <laughs> like <laughs> the way that's written is brutal but palin just kills Nails it. it yeah um josh gad is josh gad uh that <laughs> goes on, on way too long yeah no it goes on far too long um, i like gad more than a lot of people but that goes on way too long and i think that uh, sidestepping the other two that we're not mentioning the person who comes out best here is Ben Schwartz, um, who's just ridiculously funny and very, very good as uh, Mary, who's played by Whoopi Goldberg's assistant. Uh, he's just top notch, like r- walks away with the show, basically, because the rest of the show for me, just watching them pull apart, watching Michael and David pull apart from one another wasn't as compelling as a watching it fracture previously because this is about ego as opposed to the frustration of existence mm-hmm. and that it's significantly less interesting watching two actors be this petty separated from one another um and that just didn't do anything for me i think it they had been like together like physically and this was like something that they were purposely sabotaging in person throughout the run of the attempt to get this off the ground, I think it would have played better, but given everything else in terms of it still needs to be socially distanced, they're still in Wales, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It just doesn't work. And that was really kind of frustrating for me on a whole. And then, like you said, the other thing that you kind of have to buy into Less so with Sheen for me, but you have to buy in that David Tennant is not marketable in the U.S., like you said. And it's just like, I I, I, I don't no. buy into that as a premise at all. Um, I but it. I also just kind of go, why isn't Michael Sheen men- mentioned that he was on 30 Rock for a whole season? Because he was, and he was fabulous. Like, Wesley Snipes. You always think of the pale British man. <laughs> Um, so I think that there's just a lot of things that they just kind of underplay in terms of their idea of them being marketable within the U.S. that I just kind of, it's too much of an ask yeah, for the premise of the season that then just coasts on celebrity cameos. Yeah. Well, and if they, if it was instead something like, you know, he, they had burned a bridge that was... And that was why, you know, like one of them Uh had done something like we later hear. um, Yes. Oh, man, that Martin Freeman revenge. (laughs) I appreciate that it wasn't that Michael Sheen was not up for Doctor Who, though he would have been very good. 
<laughs> um, but like, yeah, if that had been why they were not going to take them, because like they pissed yeah. off the wrong person who was in charge, of, who had the rights and everything, then that would, I think could have worked a lot better. But um, yeah, that's a, it's a big ask and, and they don't really sell it. Um, mm-hmm. There just isn't enough substance. Yes, in, that's the other problem. In what they're engaging with and talking about, it comes out really significantly with everyone's, with the partners, with the, with the wives um, and sister characters. And like... Who's not them, his sister, we should note. Yeah. It was just all staged. All staged. Um. <laughs> um, but like that, some of that works. Um and I just felt I wanted them to have better material to work with. I know that they make a joke about that, but like, yeah. So if you're going to make the joke about how they can't write women, um, Simon can't write women, then you need to, and you're going to mention the Bechdel test. Like, didn't they pronounce it wrong too? Maybe that's some of the point, but maybe make sure that there's more going on for those characters besides bumping into suitcases. Yeah, and we don't even get to see, like, the sketch that they do, which I think would have been hilarious if we'd gotten to see it, and yeah. we don't get to see that, and that was really frustrating. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's just kind of a big step backwards for me, um, even if the reveal of who the show has settled on is just really solid, and I would, the watch, the hell, I would watch the hell out of that version Mm-hmm. of that this show of the first season with the two of those actors absolutely yeah you know how good that would be it would be very good it would be very very good definitely yeah <laughs> um let me see are, are there any other like i'm assuming this is the end first stage it was not received particularly well the second season compared to the yeah. first season yeah it was not uh was my understanding as well and i don't know if they're doing a third season or not um, I can't imagine that they are because I have to imagine both of them are now like back to being busy ish yeah. at this point. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think that there can be any more of this. Um, at least in this capacity, maybe they'll do something else. Like I can definitely see them doing like a nose, a red nose day sort of riff. Yeah. Oh, there is um, a good one. Did you have you seen the red nose day comic relief one that they did where they one of them is Shakespeare and one of them is Marlowe. I, th- I have seen that. Yes. It's delightful. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't really have anything else apart from the fact that I really liked that the crossword answer was Adrian Lester. Yeah. Like that was just great. Those are the scenes that I really enjoyed where they're, yes. and they're adding up. They're, they're like, ah, oh, we're both 12. Ah, okay. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. He wasn't even very good. And I was just like, no, Adrian Lester was very good in that episode. He was like really good. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, exactly. Like you get that stuff. And it's when it's the two of them caught in their own web with one another, then it's really, really good um, again. But it's just frustrating when it's not. And they're fighting each other through, through proxies. And it's less interesting. Yeah, I can just watch Curb if, I, if that's what I want to see. That's a really solid comparison, I think. So, anyways, that's d- disappointing, but you know, um, I do have a very, uh, I still have a very big place in my heart for season one. I still think season one is one of the better, uh, one of the best uh, pandemic mm-hmm. uh, commentaries so far that we've seen. Um, but yeah, I, I would say watch season one. You don't, you can skip season two. Yeah, sort of how I feel two. about it. 
Yeah. A few show notes here at the end of the episode. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org and where you can uh, leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there. You can email us, theteleverse at gmail.com. You can find our M4A chaptered feed and MP3 unchaptered feed up in Apple Podcasts where you can leave us a rating or review. And we're also up in Stitcher. We appreciate ratings and reviews over there as well. And you can find my drag race recaps over at the AB Club. And we are both up on Twitter. I am at the Televerse and Noel, you are? at Noel R.K. Thank you so much for a great discussion this week, Kate. Thanks, Noel. And thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse. Mm-hmm.